I have a lot to share this morning, and I'd like to comment on so many things. So, uh, you know, Tim yesterday was talking about uh, Kronos time and Kairos time. Kronos means you start on time, you end on time. Kairos means you show up whenever you want, and it lasts as long as the pastor wants to teach. <laughs> so for this moment, we are going to Kairos time. And, uh, but uh, the first comment I'd like to make is the, the night before Mary Lee and I took off for a two-week trip is uh, uh, there was somebody in this body who was willing to, or maybe even a table, I'm not real sure, at the uh, uh, dinner we had to raise funds for the mission trip that was willing to pay $350 for me to go skydiving. And I said, I'll give another 100 if they'll add a parachute to that. And, uh, but it was amazing to me how cheap I was, uh, they considered my life that, uh, so, uh, yeah, obviously I'm not going to do that. I've got a lot of excuses. But uh, second thing, just like to comment is on the time change. Please remember that. Uh, that'll, that'll affect this service a lot. Um, but uh, remember the time change. Uh, third is remember the, uh, the, the team over in the Czech Republic. Uh, this is exciting. We're actually sending two teams there over the next month. And uh, so... It's exciting that they are there, they are on the ground, they were looking forward to being trained today. I received a, uh, a text from Tony this morning, and, and they are being trained today to be able to reach out to the youth there in the Czech Republic, and you, you financially and prayerfully have made that possible. And so thank you. Uh, they, they actually received actually a little bit more than what they needed, so... Um, I'm sure Kurt will take a cut out of that. Uh, but uh, no, it, it's exciting to realize that we have the opportunity to reach the Philippines and uh, South America and, you know, Africa and just uh, uh, Boise, Idaho. Uh, just amazing that we have the opportunity to be involved in people's lives in that way. And so uh, thank you so much for your willing participation in that. Also, Tim and Holly, they, uh, they're in a tough spot right now. Uh, I, I find every time I listen to you, Tim, how, how that door opened for you and Holly, actually Holly started going with you to communicate with those classes there at that uh, university. And the two of you had the opportunity to reach out in a way that no person here from the United States could go down and, you know, no Christian could go down and, and reach out. And to realize that the Lord opened that door for you for these years. And uh, it, it truly is, our Lord is amazing. Yeah. And now uh, as you make a decision about where the Lord wants you to head at this moment in time, we really are much in prayer for you. Father, this morning we uh, thank you for uh, being able to pray for our team over in the Czech Republic, our missionaries that we have through, scattered throughout the world. Uh, it, it's amazing the different continents that we are, are having an effect upon. And so uh, uh, thank you for the privilege you've given us. And uh, we thank you for what's going on here in this area. And so uh, as we uh, pray for the, the Czech team, we, we thank you that you're with them, that they are depending upon you and how, how you are going to hopefully use them to reach out to the missionaries there um, and, and Kevin and Daniela and their faith. 
family and other missionaries there, but also to the youth there in the Czech Republic. So we pray that you would use them greatly. We know that you will and pray that they would trust you to see how you might choose to use these days in their, their, their lives. I, I know often mission trips are life-changing. It was for me. And so thank you for the opportunity they have. And I pray for Tim and Holly. Just uh, uh, They have so much experience and so much knowledge and, and uh, the ability, uh, they're learning to communicate in, in different ways to uh, the people groups that they're with. And so thank you for the, the wonderful background you've given them. And we pray now that you would direct them into where you uh, will best use them, whether that's, it uh, <laughs> doesn't matter, it doesn't matter uh, whether they're, that's back on the mission field or whether it's wherever they're located, you're going to use them greatly. And so thank you for, for bringing them to this point. I pray that they would trust you and find in you everything they need to go through these uh, days where uh, there is not a real clear direction at this moment. So uh, thanks that we can pray for them. I pray that as a body, we would pray often for them. Thanks for this study we get to do today. I'm so excited about teaching Romans 6. I can't hardly stand it. And so thank you for the privilege of being able to do that. So uh, um, may we really understand that you are amazing. You're far beyond amazing um, in terms of what has taken place in each of our individual lives if we know Jesus as Lord. And so uh, thanks for our time together this morning. May we really appreciate and, and, and apply the truths of this passage to our own situations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 6 with me. This is my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, I know a lot of times I say this is one of my most favorite chapters or this is one of my most favorite verses or whatever, and I have a lot of those. But this uh, passage means a lot to me because it, it is probably the first passage that I ever understood what it said. And I'm still learning, by the way, what it, what it says and means. But it, it so dramatically changed my life. I would actually say this is the first passage that, I, that just directly had an impact in my, my life as a Christian, and so I, I'm really excited about sharing, as you can probably tell, sharing what's in these verses. So I, I encourage you to take notes, really be able to concentrate um, as we go through this. And the, it starts back in chapter 5, verse 11, where it says, exalt in God. And the word exalt is more than just uh, more than just rejoice. It includes rejoicing, but it's a, it's a word that that kind of makes you lift your arms up in the air and say, "God, I exalt you. I praise you. I rejoice in you. You're awesome. I just can't get enough of you. You're beyond my thinking. Thank you for what you're doing in my life." That's the idea of the word exalt. And it says to exalt in God because. He has reconciled us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word reconcile is a word that, that literally means a change or an exchange. That something took place that God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, reconciled us, caused this great exchange to take place so that now we, are, we, are, we can actually walk pleasing to him because we as individuals are pleasing to him. And the Bible teaches before we were reconciled, here, here's how it describes this, just in, just in Romans chapters, chapter 5 and 6, it, it says before we were reconciled or before we were justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it says we were helpless, 
We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. We, it wasn't his fault. It was our fault that, that death reigned at that time. We were condemned. We were, we were uh, uh, in, in Adam. That's just who we were. So think about that. Without Jesus in your life, without you knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life, you are helpless. You are ungodly. You are a sinner by nature. That's just who you are. He says it twice in chapter 5 that sinners, he talks about that, that and, and we are our enemies of God and death, instead of life reigning as God intends, death reigns in our lives and we are condemned and we we are in Adam. That's who we are without Jesus Christ. That's who any person is without Jesus Christ. Please understand that. And then it says in chapter 5, verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore having been justified, it's a past event, it's something that took place. We by faith came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We believed in the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus that he accomplished on the cross. And here are some of the results that are being given. Now instead of being helpless, we are adequate. Instead of being ungodly, we are righteous. Instead of being, you know, instead of being a sinner by nature, the Bible teaches we're saints by nature. Instead of being enemies of God, we're friends with God. Instead of death reigning, the Bible says we reign in life. Instead of being condemned, we are now righteous. Instead of being in Adam, we are now in Christ. And that is exactly what God did in our lives when we came to know his son Jesus and his work and by faith received him into our lives. Those are all changes that only God could do. But he did. And I pray that we recognize that. And so that leads us into chapter 6. And You know, I've, I've been... You know, I've accepted, you know, we've come to the point. I, I know the facts here. I've heard the facts. I, I've even accepted that I've been reconciled with God and I exalt in him. I have become God's new creation instead of being in Adam. I'm now in Christ. And then we, we finished up that chapter five with such a wonderful truth. You can't out the grace of God. Where sin is added onto, grace multiplies God's grace is far beyond any sin, any sinner. I can't, out, I, I can't out sin his grace. So what do we do? We exalt in God. And now that I'm in Christ, my thinking, and my actions, and my speech, and my choices should reveal the new person I am in Jesus Christ. Those things should reveal what those truths are and that they have been made personal in our own lives. And I put on the handout sheet or if you're following along on the back to back or if you're following along on the bulletin, I just put walking in victory over sin is possible and even expected because of who we are now in Jesus Christ. Chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to read all 14 verses. We're going to, we're going to spend four weeks here in, in Romans. I, I realize that'll be speed for me. That'll, that'll be on speed dial. 
but uh, we're, we're going to spend four weeks in Romans chapter 6 here, but, but it's so full, so full. But look at, look at verse, verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, that word baptized simply means to place into something. So, or do you not know that all of us who who have been baptized or placed into Christ Jesus have been baptized or placed into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism or being placed into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self, our old man, literally man there, that man we were in Adam, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with or rendered powerless so that we'd no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we, we believe that we should also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you obey its lusts or urges, and don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness or injustice, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness or justice to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you aren't under law but under grace." And so he starts out in chapter 6, verse 1, saying, you know, okay, since I can't out God's grace, <laughs> what shall we say then? Are, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? This is wrong thinking. But it's a thinking that Christians often have. If God's grace superabounds regardless, Regardless of the amount or degree of sin in my life, what does it matter if, how I, if I live how I did before I became a Christian? So what if I continue to give in to that urge or that sin that I have such a hard time with? God's grace will cover it. In fact, am I not doing God a favor, giving him more opportunities to display his grace? And you have this, you know, people say, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I know God will forgive me. That's totally misusing what God has so abundantly supplied for us. The the quick answer, the quick answer to this illogical question is no. That lifestyle isn't who you are anymore. And you're dead to sin. I 
I put on your handout, God's grace is never an excuse to sin. Sin is no longer the Christian's nature, nor does it have power over us. God's grace is is so amazing, but it should never be used as an excuse. Like Paul says in answer to that question there in verse 1, in verse 2, he says, may it never be. What poor logic. And verses 2 through 5 are a key to understanding what God has done and who he's made us in his son. The Bible says there, it says we've died to sin. If you're a Christian, you have died to sin. If I'm a Christian, I have died to sin. And I know sometimes we don't feel that way. But that's the fact. We've died to sin. And so why would we want to go back to that lifestyle? I put on your handout, since we're new in Christ, living in sin is a contradiction to who he is and to who he's made us in him. My two-word definition of a Christian is a Christian is a forgiven saint, not a forgiven sinner. If you're still a sinner by nature, you're not right with God. You're not justified. A Christian is a forgiven saint. That's who we are. And a lot of times we have a hard time with that because we don't always act that way. We don't always think that way. But the Bible says that's who you are. And so your thinking needs to change so that it lines up with the new person you've been made in Jesus Christ. We are free in Christ. But freedom in Christ means freedom from sin and freedom to love and serve. I'm free now to love and serve. All my needs are being met by my Lord Jesus. So I'm free to love. I'm free to serve. No matter who I'm with, I'm free to serve and I'm free to love my Lord and I'm free to serve and I'm free to love others. And so the question here is not so much can we go back, but why would we go back? If these changes have actually taken place in our lives, why would we go back? Why would you make provision for even one sin? He deals with that actually in verse 15. Can we sin even occasionally, every once in a while? This is a lifestyle, you know, in verse 1, are we to continue in a lifestyle of sin so that grace, God's grace is seen all the more? And he says, no way, because you've died to sin. In verse 15, it's, can I every once in a while give in and can I, you know, can I have an occasional fling? And he answers the same both times. No, you can't. Because it's not who God has made you. You're ignoring the provision God has made to walk in victory. Now, can a Christian, one who is in Christ, one who is a forgiven saint, still sin? And the answer is, of course. And the reason we're going to see in chapter 7 is because we still live in these unredeemed bodies where sin still dwells. So is a Christian capable of sin? Yes. But Paul's question is, why? 
Why? Possible reasons. I, you know, I came up with several possible reasons. One is that you're not a Christian. You're not truly a Christian. Maybe you had some kind of experience, but you've never really truly by faith come to, to know the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own life. So maybe you're not a Christian. It's just the Lord's way of letting you know that. A second reason why we would, uh, you know, uh, give in to this as we maybe don't understand the fullness of Jesus' work on the cross. That Jesus, when he died on the cross, not only dealt with sins, but he also dealt with sinners. He dealt with both. All of our sins. All of the sins. A third reason would be a mistaken identity. We think the flesh, this unredeemed body, is who I am. You know, well, I just, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, I'm just a liar. That's just who I am. Or I'm just a sexually immoral pers- person or sexually lustful person. Or they, you kind of identify the urges of the flesh with who you are. That's not who you are. The flesh is not who we are. Uh, some of us may not know how to walk. You may not know how to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. The Bible teaches us how to do that. And a fifth possible reason, I, I call it temporary spiritual insanity. You're ignoring the reality of what Jesus has done. That, yeah, I know that I'm this new person in Christ, but my flesh is urging me to give into this lying or cheating or stealing or or sexual lust, or whatever it is, whatever the sins are that we're specially tempted by, our flesh patterns. And we say, I know, I know it's wrong, but I'm still going to go, I call that temporary spiritual insanity. And what joy to find out that when Jesus died on that cross, somehow we as sinners died with him. Can I fully explain that? No, but the Bible teaches it's true. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, somehow we were raised as saints with him and the purpose being to walk in newness of life. Look at verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been placed into Christ Jesus have been placed into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And he starts out there, don't you know something? He mentions the word know there in, chapter th- or in, in verse 3, and he mentions it in verse 6, and he mentions it again in verse 9. We need to know the facts. We need to know and understand the biblical facts. Don't you know that all of us who were placed into Christ Jesus were placed into his death? Do you not know that, you Roman Christians? <laughs> you Christians there at Hilltop? Don't you understand that? That you died with Christ? Again, the word baptized that's used there doesn't always mean water. It just means immersed or placed into something. This is not talking about water baptism at all. In fact, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into or placed into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. 
the baptism of the Spirit is when, is when the Holy Spirit placed you into the body of Christ exactly where you should be. But we are, we've been placed into Christ Jesus. We're part of his one body. And since that's true, and it is true if you're a Christian, since that's true, then you are also placed into his death. Know this. If you're a Christian, you were placed into the, the one body of Jesus Christ, and since that's true, then you were also placed into his death. You and I died with Christ. We did. I put on your handout, our old man in Adam is ended. Our old man in Adam ended with the cross of Jesus. Wow. No wonder it says exalt in God. God, you're awesome. You see, Jesus not only died for our sins, offering forgiveness, but he also died for us as sinners. We try and find some good in the old man in Adam, but God finds no good in the old self. It, 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 that old man had to die, or else we'd always be slaves to sin. We'd always be sinners by nature. The old man in Adam had to die, and so God killed it. <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross, and so you've got this dead old man, and that's the reason verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through being placed into death in order that as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And that's what should mark us as Christians, this newness of life. It means a new life that's never been around before. It's not just a kind of a repairing of the old life or, you know, an upgrade. Um, it's not putting a turbocharger on the old man. It, the old man died, had to die, and be buried. And then we were raised brand new people. And so newness of life is what should mark us, not the old lifestyle of sin. Remember the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? No, no it's not who you are. Should I continue to conform, you know, my my practices to, to the worlds around me or, or, or what marks those who aren't Christians are those things, are, are those things that I should continue doing? No. A, a newness of life. God has made a walk of newness of life, not only a possibility, but an expectation. It's what should take place in the Christian's life. And like he says there, since we died with Christ, what do you do with a dead person? You bury him. You bury the body. And that's what happened to us. We were buried with Jesus through being placed into his death. Don't dig up the old man and try to find, put life into it again. There's no life there. There never was life there. And it seems like a lot of Christians are trying to put life in the old, you know, the old dead and buried man in Adam. 
We're to know the facts. We died and we're buried with Christ. And we've also been raised with him. The reason for our deaths and burials was so that just as Jesus was raised from the dead to the, through the Father's glory, so we too might be raised. And the purpose being to live this brand new life, never experienced before, a holy life, a life that could, could and would bring glory and honor to the Father. And, and so please get this, our old man in Adam ended with Jesus' death, our new man in Christ began with Jesus' resurrection. God says it. And now each one of us here this morning have a choice in terms of whether we're going to believe that, consider it true, and say, God, here I am. Use me. Use my body in any way that you choose. And these facts are true based on the historical facts, not the feelings, but the historical facts of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so two questions for you this morning. Have you had your funeral yet? And second, have you had your resurrection party yet? We celebrate the birth of a baby. And we should celebrate the fact that we have been raised from the dead with Jesus. And you think about that and you exalt in God. If this is really true, and God says it is, and of course we should exalt in God. <laughs> what else could you go? How marvelous, how wonderful is our God. And verse 5 says, If we become united with him in the likeness of his death, and according to verses 2 through 4, we have, then absolutely we'll also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Here's one of these times when my computer just wrote the word, wow. Wow. <laughs> if we've died with Christ, and we have, then we've also been raised with him. It's an interesting word, the word united. It means to implant or grow together with. An example would be a vine in a branch. Jesus, we're taught in John chapter 15, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. But this is a great example of the word that's used there. If we become united with him in the likeness of his death, then certainly we shall be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. That the Jesus' life and our life are inseparable. That, that we're united with him in death and burial and resurrection. And in verses 6 through 10 that we'll look at next week, we're going to see Paul repeat these same facts again. Why? Because if you understand these words, and that's what took place in my life many, many years ago, when I started understanding these words, it changed my life. It changed the way I live life. So 
So I put on your handout, we died so that we could be freed from sin and its power. And we were raised so that we could live to God. And what it's telling us here is that our life and destiny are bound up with Jesus. He is our type that we looked at back in chapter 5, verse 14, when it talked about Adam was a type of him who was to come. He was a type of Jesus, an example, a representative of. So Jesus is now our type, and to be in Christ is to have died, been buried, and raised with him. We need to believe these facts and make sure we presented our bodies to him. And so God's grace was extended so we could walk in victory over sin, not so we could continue in it. That's totally unbiblical thinking to rationalize, try to justify us continuing in a lifestyle of sin or even giving in to an occasional sin. The excuses don't work here because of the facts. If you claim to be a Christian and yet continue to see yourself living in a lifestyle of sin, by the way, that's the way I was living. I think I was a Christian many, many years ago. But I didn't know how to get out my problems of pride, my sins of pride and worry and sexual lust. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to walk in victory. I had no idea. I think I was a Christian, but I had no idea who I was I had no idea the full provision that God had made. I had no idea how to walk as the Christian I was. So I started looking at these verses and I realized, wow, this is it's really clear here what's taking place. But my life does not reveal this, this newness of life at all. But if we claim to be Christians and yet continue to see ourselves living in a lifestyle of sin, then, then several possibilities. Then you're not a Christian and you're simply deceiving yourself. Or you don't understand what God out of his grace has done in your life. That was me. Or you don't know who you are in Christ. That was me. <laughs> or you don't know how to walk in a way pleasing to God. That was me. God has made full provision in all those things in, in terms of you knowing who you are now in Christ, to knowing how to walk in a way that's pleasing to him, to understand what God out of his grace has done in my life through the Lord Jesus Christ, what that cost, the cost of reconciliation was. And the two phrases that we're going to see here, dead to sin, alive to God, we're going to see those over, and I encourage you to play those facts over time and again in your life. Dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. That's who I am now. May my choices and my thoughts and my words and my, and my behavior reflect. I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
And so play these facts over again and again to blot out the message that's been defeating you and to bring you understanding that will set you free. And daily we're given opportunities to practice these truths when we're stuck in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. Am I going to respond by the urges of the flesh to go and mash that guy into the side of the road? Or when you're in the slow line at the grocery store, am I going to act? Am I going to respond in terms of understanding now who I am according to these Romans chapter 6 truths? Or am I going to, am I going to go by my urges there? Maybe cut in line or start complaining or be bitter? When we have difficult children, you see, what is it for you? What opportunities has the Lord given you to practice these truths? Yes, we can have this sinful response to a blocked desire or need, or, or we can remember these Romans chapter 6 truths and get our true needs met by the Lord, even if I am stuck in traffic, even if somebody has cut me off. We make a choice to consider these truths true or, and remind ourselves of, of, that we've presented our bodies to God or we can reject these truths of Romans 6 and we can come up with all kinds of excuses as to why. And we can suffer the consequences of that continued sin. You know, the shame and the guilt and the frustration and that the life of God is not evident in your life. But I put on your handout, know this, that we've died to sin. You and I died with Christ. We were buried with Jesus. Our new man in Christ began with Jesus' resurrection. And God's purpose was so that newness of life would mark his own. Newness of life, not a lifestyle of sin, should be our walk based on who we now are in Christ. And I'd like, to re, I'd like to read this prayer that I, I wrote here. It's on your handout. And then I'd like to read the words of a song. We're actually going to sing this song next week. I will, not, I will not do that for you. I would not put you through that torture, but I'm going to read the words to it. So let's pray and then I'll read the words to this song. Our Father, your ways are so far beyond us. We would have tried to improve the old man. You killed him. We would look at deadness as failure. You look at it as the necessary ingredient to walking in newness of life. We would try to resuscitate the old, man, the old person in Adam. You buried him. We can't bring life out of death. You can and did. If we haven't had our funerals yet, we need to. If we haven't had our resurrection parties yet, we need to. You began a whole new race. So newness of life would be our walk. Our hearts and our minds are full. And Jesus, thank you that when you died, we're buried and we're raised somehow 
we were too. We bask in the wonder of it all. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has done. With his blood he has saved me, with his power he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to Thee. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things He has done. We have a couple of people up here in front that uh, would love to pray with you. You know, it may not even be a need in your life. You might just come up and pray with them to express your thanks for the new person you've been made in Jesus Christ. If you don't want to pray with somebody, uh, pray that you enjoy fellowship with each other. Uh, There's some uh, coffee and donut holes over in the other building. You can't beat that. So uh, thank you for being here this morning. I pray that each of us is impacted greatly by God's truth.